If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Galatians chapter 3. I'm thankful for a few things this morning. Number one, for Isaiah 56. This is one of the first times in several weeks that I haven't been in Isaiah as I wasn't the one to uh, do the scripture reading this morning. I didn't find myself in Isaiah this week and I'm amazed to see some of the truth from Isaiah 56 preparing our hearts for Galatians chapter 3 this morning. Also thankful this morning, since I don't get to acknowledge it publicly very much, I want to express gratitude for the prayers of the people of Rockport. Um, Many of you are praying for us as pastors, are praying for me. I, I appreciate your prayers so much. We need them. We are in desperate need of your prayer. And uh, it's a comfort just, to, just this morning to, to have people meet me in the hallway, hugging me and telling, telling me you're praying for me. So, thankful to God for a praying congregation. And in that, let's pray. Father, we come to you yet again, humbled by the way that you take care of us, grateful for the people, for the body that you use to point us to Christ, our great need of Him, to remind us of this great need over and over again. And Father, we come yet again to the text asking you to do as you alone can do, to awaken hearts, awaken minds, awaken the sleepy souls. Lord, would the gospel be exciting to us? Would we be in awe of the truths that we find in Christ all throughout Scripture? Lord, would you not only awaken us, but warm our hearts. Warm our hearts in the midst of so many reasons to be cold in this world. Would you warm our hearts with Christ? Father, would Christ be sweet to our ears? Would Christ be that true hope? to our longing. And when you give us yet another reason to walk away from our time together rejoicing because of what we have in Christ alone. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Galatians chapter 3. This morning, I'm going to read verses 10 through 14. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law, and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith, rather the one who does them shall live by them. 
Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith. If I had one passage from Galatians to give a brief summary of Paul's reason for writing to them, for his solution of their problem of slipping back into circumcision, into law-keeping, this would be the passage. And to an audience being deceived by a group of teachers that were teaching Jesus plus circumcision or Jesus plus works, Paul here presents in these five verses, very sternfully, very wonderfully and even very succinctly from the Old Testament that no way, no how is there any way that you could possibly obtain righteousness by your own doing. Paul might title this paragraph for modern day evangelicalism, modern day Christians. He may title this paragraph as something like a sermon called the gospel according to the Old Testament. In five verses here, if you'll notice in your references, there are four Old Testament citations packed in, which could make a very dangerous, dangerous sermon. But four Old Testament citations, four places that we can look back and see with fresh New Testament light that the pursuit of perfect law-keeping by God's people would end up being over and over again a hopeless cycle of failure. It would be a curse upon curse upon curse. And that promise, that promise of the ultimate blessing and reconciliation back to God would have to come completely from outside of them. And to convince the Galatians of holy and completely Christ alone, Paul gives us a contrast here in these verses of the cursed and the blessed. We have curses versus blessings to teach the good news of the gospel from the Old Testament. So that's how I want us to think about this as we move forward this morning. The curses... And the blessings. And first, this morning, we'll look at the curse. Look back to verse 10. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. And since this is a trans- transition verse, you see that word for that it starts with. It would be helpful to make sense of, of what just happened, what he has already argued, and a conclusion he has already reached. If you look back to the previous paragraph, he, Paul reaches the conclusion that the children of the promise are children of Abraham, and they're children of Abraham by being those of faith. The children of the promise, the children of Abraham, the family of Abraham 
are that because of faith. The promise to Abraham that all nations will be blessed in Genesis uh, chapter 12 is a gospel promise. Look at verse 8 in the scripture. Foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then the conclusion, Paul arrives to verse 9, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So the blessing is a being justified by faith. Abraham believed God, and it was counted as righteous to him. Declared righteous was Abraham before God by his faith alone. Nothing to do with the works of Abraham. He was justified by faith alone. The family of Abraham, or all the nations that will be blessed, this blessed is a justified by faith. So the blessing here in Galatians 3, the blessing that was given to the nations of Abraham, or the nations that would be blessed by being the family, the seed to come of Abraham would be the blessing of justification. That is a counted righteous and counted righteous by faith alone. That's the conclusion of the previous paragraph. Now, verse 10 is the contrast. We see the blessing of faith, but we also see, once we come to this new paragraph, that there is a curse. Faith brought blessing. Faith brings blessing. But, in verse 10, the law, or the observance of the law, or the reliance of the law, inevitably inevitably leads to being cursed. Two reasons the law leads to being cursed. The law of God, number one, requires perfect obedience. If you look at the second part of verse 10, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Deuteronomy 27, 26 is what this is quoting. It says, Cursed be anyone who does not confirm the words of this law by doing them. And all the people in Deuteronomy 27 said, Amen. Similarly, a couple or a chapter later in Deuteronomy 28, Paul possibly had this scripture in mind when he said, "If you are not careful to do all the words, this is what Moses says of the law, then these are the curses that will follow." We have twelve curses that follow there in Deuteronomy chapter 28. So Paul goes back to the Old Testament scriptures, back to the law to show why life can't be had by obedience. Matter of fact, there is a curse on life because of disobedience. It has to be perfect obedience and no one can obey perfectly. Deuteronomy 27 may sound familiar to those of you who are going through Joshua in D group right now. This is also uh, what happens in Joshua 8, right? Uh, This is in the context of people being reminded and renewing and hearing again fresh what the law promises through blessings and curses. In the context of Deuteronomy 27, this 
This curse right here comes at the end of 12 curses of the law, and it's really a summation of all the previous 11 curses. If you do not do all that the law asks, all that the law requires, you are cursed. If you do all that the law requires, by that doing, you will live. So, obey all of this or be cursed. If we want to rely on the law, we should know that Scripture teaches that we have to be perfectly obedient. If we are going to rely on our works, it has to be perfectly worked out. To rely on works, in other words, is to rely on doing them perfectly. The law is perfect because... It is a reflection of God, right? So, to fail at one part of the law is to show our lack of holiness compared to His great and perfect, complete holiness. And to be failing at one part is to be guilty of all of it, standing in guilt completely before a holy God. The law is to show that God is holy And we are not. Paul says, are you sure, Galatians? Are you sure that you want to put yourself under this again? Are you sure that after hearing and responding to the gospel, that you want to go back under the law? Verse 3, he says, are you so foolish Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? So the curse is inevitable because we are all lawbreakers, because we are all sinners, even if we desire. Here is an important distinction. Even if we as people with the Spirit who God has saved by His grace, even if we desire to obey perfectly, we can't, we will fail. That's why we are cursed under the law, because we cannot perfectly obey. We are cursed because the law requires perfect obedience. Second reason we are cursed is because observing the law to justify is impossible. Observing the law, obeying to be justified is impossible because it's not faith or it's not of faith. Look at verse 11. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. We can't be justified by keeping the law because we can't keep it. Therefore, justification, our righteousness counted to us, doesn't come by good works or by being a so-called good person or by being a good law-abiding citizen. There is none good, no, not one. Right? So, all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. Sin leads to death. Now what? Paul says, this is clear. Paul says, this is evident. Why is it so clear to Paul and his logic up to this point? Why should it be so evident to us? Not just because 
were miserable sinners, but because of what Habakkuk says. Paul goes back again to the Old Testament. Paul goes to Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4. No doubt a familiar passage. Simply this, the righteous shall live by faith. The righteous, says in Habakkuk chapter 2, shall live by faith. This is evident for or because. This is evident because the righteous shall live by faith. This is why it's evident that the law cannot possibly justify a man. Because the Lord himself in Habakkuk says, the righteous shall live or have life by faith. Those right before God are right on the basis of faith. The righteous don't go on living simply by faith. That's not what this passage is teaching, but are given life by faith, not by doing. Shall live as opposed to shall die. This isn't a way of life here on earth. This is a right relationship with God that leads to eternal life with God. The righteous shall live by the means of faith. Notice what Paul is saying, that no one can be made right, that is declared righteous, that is justified by the law. The righteous shall live by faith. We are justified. We are made right by faith alone. He goes to Habakkuk to make that argument. Now, in Habakkuk, if you remember also uh, from your study of Habakkuk, or maybe you were in the D group with Habakkuk, in Habakkuk we see Judah being handed over in judgment to the wicked Chaldeans. Okay? Why are they being handed over? Because they have forgotten to obey the Torah. They have not obeyed the law. They have, in fact, failed miserably to, be, to obey the law. They have turned from God's law. But God says, tell the people this. We hear Habakkuk's first complaint. We hear the second complaint. Why are we being overtaken by the violent Chaldeans? God says, you are a wicked, violent people yourself. But Habakkuk, send hope with this. Tell them that the righteous shall live by faith. I'm going to hand you over, Habakkuk, to the Chaldeans, and you will be judged. You will be oppressed. You will live as slaves in sorrow and in shame. But... I am faithful to my promises and tell them this, that the righteous, those who are blessed because of the promise of Abraham, the righteous shall live by faith. Also notice the contrast of the shall live in verse 11 with the shall live of verse 12. In verse 11, right, the righteous shall live by faith. In verse 12, contrasting the law with faith because it is not of faith, it is completely different of faith. The one who does them shall live by them. But the law is not of faith, rather the one who does them, that is 
the law, the commands of the law, shall live by them. Law is doing. Law is obeying. Faith is believing that it is done. Faith is believing that it is done in Christ. Faith is believing that Christ has done it all. Works of the law is not of faith. It's not believing the trust, and trusting the promise of God. It is working to believe and trust in yourself. It's not trusting Christ. We have the mystery of Christ made clear to us now, as the Galatians do, that He has fulfilled the promise of salvation, and He has done it by Himself alone on the cross. So, shall live by faith, and shall live by doing the works of the law. These passages from Leviticus and Habakkuk couldn't be more polar opposites for a way of life. One is hopeless, one is full of hope. One is completely relying on ourselves, the other is completely relying on one outside of ourselves. We definitely know that we need to be made right with God, but how are we to be made right with God? The promise of life by keeping the law and the promise of life by faith in God or faith in Christ need to be kept separated. Any attempts to be righteous on our own is futile, as already seen in verse 10. For those who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. But to trust in God, to trust what God has done in Christ to be declared righteous, that is to hope for life. And so we have seen the curse of Romans 3 or excuse me of Galatians 3 we have seen the curse of disobedience the curse of being under the law the curse of never being able to perfectly meet all the law's demands and now we turn to the blessing we turn to the blessing that is in Christ that is faith in Christ look at verse 13 Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith. Paul moves forward here to speak of blessing. But ironically, Paul goes to blessing by still talking about a curse. Referencing Deuteronomy 21, 22 to 23, If a man has committed a, a crime punishable by death, and he is put to death, and you hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain all night on a tree, but you shall bury him the same day. For a hanged man is cursed by God. You shall not defile your land that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance. You see, Paul goes back to the law to show that cursed is a man who hangs on a tree. So, in essence, we have a solution. We have a way to be blessed. And the logic is this. All who rely on their own efforts of obedience are cursed. Cursed by the very standard that you try to live up to. That is where the curse comes from. If indeed you are going to put yourself back under it. It shall be 
painstakingly clear, hopefully to the Galatians, hopefully to us, that from the history of the nation of Israel, no one can possibly think that they can be justified by obedience. That is the point of Galatians. Have you lost your mind, church, with the Spirit that you cannot obey God and earn His favor? That's it. That's the message of Galatians. But faith is what the righteous shall live by. Faith is not the law. But finally, we get here to faith in what? Faith in who? Believing what? Believing what is done or believing who? You can see that when the Jews come to terms with the law not leading to life and when the Gentiles that can't earn salvation by works, you can see when, when that lost Jew and that lost Gentile come to see that we can't do this, you would have the mindset of Paul in Galatians 7.4. It says, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Amen. Who will deliver me? I've, I have gone this morning what I feel like above and beyond of just beating a dead horse that you cannot be justified by your works. And hopefully, by the Spirit's help, to see that you yourself are wretched and need a Savior who will deliver you, who will deliver us from death, from this curse brought on by this hopeless failure and cycle that we are stuck in of disobeying a holy almighty God. And the answer, of course, is only Christ. Only Christ can rescue us. Only Christ can redeem us. Only Christ redeems from the punishment of sin. And He does it by becoming the curse Himself. I think it's important to note here that the hanging from a tree, most scholars would say, wasn't the actual execution. One scholar notes that it was something done after the death of a criminal. On the same day, when the man was dead, he would be hanged and it would be a gruesome sight. That was the purpose. Not to kill him by executing on a tree or by a wooden post, but that he would be a gruesome sight and it would serve as a warning to the population of the results of what happens when the law is broken and it's punishable by death. You see, this was the law of Israel. This was a law of the people of God. So this wasn't a crucifixion. I think it's important to know here. This is to show what happens because it is deserved to die. When you are a criminal, when you are against God's law, and you are against it so badly that you need to be hung up to be shown as an example. So this wasn't a crucifixion, and yet here was a stumbling block for the Jews. Think about this from Paul's perspective pre-conversion. 
Think about the stumbling block. Think about Paul knowing that cursed is the man who hangs on a tree and Paul stumbling over the fact that you're telling me that the Son of God, the Messiah, the King of Jews that God would send to deliver His people is going to be hanging on a tree? You are out of your mind. A sovereign God would never... Allow this. Can't fathom it. I'm stumbling all over this. Tom Schreiner says, Paul did not understand a prepositional phrase. He did not understand that Jesus was cursed for us. Jesus took on the punishment and was cursed for us. And to realize just how scandalous it is. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1.23, We preach Christ crucified. We proclaim the death of the Savior. We proclaim every Sunday church the death of God. We proclaim it that by His death we live. Amen. Stumbling block to the Jews and complete foolishness, complete folly to the Gentiles. Jesus took the curse on of lawbreakers. The, t- the punishment that was deserved for criminals has been taken. It's been absorbed by the Son of God, Jesus Christ, the Messiah Himself. He became a substitute. This is substitutional language. And He stood in our place. And this is the main point of the whole passage. The sins of a disobedient people, that is all of us, a law-breaking people, that is all of us, was paid for by a death. By the only one to ever Perfectly keep the entire law of God. The only one to never sin. The only one to never disobey. The, never, the only one to never turn away from God. The only one to never stop trusting in God and His plan. He has removed the curse of the law by becoming the curse for us. Oh, foolish Galatians. Oh, foolish Galatians. The passionate correction of Paul to a people who foolishly think after responding to the gospel in faith that now we somehow add to it. Are you so foolish having begun By the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? See, don't be confused and led away, church. The gospel is not Jesus plus something. It is Jesus, period. You want your guilt and your shame and your fear dealt with completely? None of it is dependent on you in the slightest bit. You weren't saved by the gospel grace of Jesus Christ. And then go on in your own efforts. Are you being perfected by the flesh now? Having started with the Spirit? 
It's foolishness. Not in the slightest bit do we have any righteousness to claim before Christ. It's all been accomplished by the perfect life and perfect death of Christ. Every sin committed by you, paid for by Jesus, becoming a curse, taking our place on the tree, you receive the promise of the blessing of faith given to Abraham by faith alone in Christ alone. You Receive that, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith in Christ. The promise is fulfilled. God's people by faith receive the Spirit by faith, not by doing. The law could never be fulfilled by us keeping it. And if we have the Spirit, here's Paul's logic, if we have the Spirit, then we are part of Abraham's family, meaning that we are blessed in Christ. Meaning that we don't have to submit to the law, specifically here for the Galatians, they don't have to submit back to circumcision. That's what they struggled with. That's what they were wrestling with as these false teachers came in. We don't live to earn God's approval by obedience. Please know this. We don't gain a place in the family of God through our works. Please know this. We don't receive the Spirit by our law-keeping. It is a gift. It is a blessing of the promise. Please know this. We are saved from the penalty of the curse by our faith in Christ alone. And if you are trusting in Christ this morning, you have the Spirit You have the Spirit bringing you more and more into an awareness of your daily need for Christ while also testifying to you that Christ has already accomplished all things necessary for a right relationship with Him. The Spirit, not the law, proclaims the freedom that you have in Christ and the forgiveness and the joy of God's love. The Spirit testifies that to you, not the law. And so what's the application? What's the application to leave with this morning? The last couple of days I've had this song, Old Rugged Cross, ringing in my head. Cling to the cross alone. That's the application this morning from this passage. Cling to the cross alone in your daily Christian walk. We constantly preach the gospel of the cross of Jesus Christ to ourselves. It is a daily activity, it is a daily blessing that the people of God have to enjoy. You see, all the blessings of the law, the ultimate curse of the law, all of it comes to be fulfilled. This is how the law is fulfilled at the cross. The blessing of doing the law that we are blessed with in Christ as He lived a perfect life, That's Him as the perfect uh, sacrifice. And we receive life by His law-keeping. Because the law-keeping is the the perfect life, the perfect sacrifice. The curse of not doing the law, Christ took for us, that the Father might declare us righteous by His Son's death. Cling to the cross. Cling to the cross. The cross is where the law is fulfilled. 
The cross is where we receive life. The cross is where it shows us that we have absolutely nothing to contribute and that Christ has contributed everything. Make the cross central to your life. Make the cross central in your conversation. Make the cross central in your thoughts as you deal with the struggling brother or sister. Make the cross central in the way that you think of sanctification. Make the cross central in the way that you gain strength and grace to bring you all the way home. 1 John 4.10 And this is love. And this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Make the cross daily the center of your hope, of your joy, of your strength. Let's pray. Oh God, we need your Spirit. We encourage to see that you have so graciously given the Spirit as a gift and we confess that we need it. We need the help of your gracious, tender, carefully leading Spirit. Lord, we all confess, we all acknowledge that as soon as we walk away from this place, There is the need to preach the gospel to ourselves, the centrality of the cross. Lord, would Rockport Baptist Church be a people that know that the cross is central? Father, would we be a people when our sins have beat us down? Would we be a people that know that they have been covered? Father, when we are a people depressed and discouraged and wondering how anyone can love us, would we look to the cross? Father, for those here this morning, that do not know Jesus. For those here this morning that feel like they have sinned far past what the grace of God can reach, would the truth be so evident to them that we are all in that same place, far away, hopeless of the rescue the reconciliation of God without the work of Christ. God, would you draw people to yourselves this morning? Lord, would we be a people with our co-workers, with our our relatives? Lord, would we be a people that shine with the dependence of Christ alone. 
God, strengthen your people with these truths of the gospel. Lord, help us to know these truths, these vital truths. Lord, that we may be hopeful to the hopeless. Lord, we ask for your strength and grace, which we cannot, Lord, for things we cannot do on our own. We ask these things in your name. Amen.